Thank y'all for doing this. Thank y'all for being public ed advocates. And uh, I just, when I read y'all's editorial or op-ed, I thought, yeah, this would maybe be a nice podcast and discussion. I'm Annette, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Today, I'm excited to have some fellow public education advocates, uh, some longtime board members, and uh, and and friends and, and new friends. So uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, Helen and Ted, if you'd go ahead and let the listeners know a little bit about you. Helen, you go first. I'm pleased to be here with you today. My name is Helen Warwick. I am a former trustee in Marshall ISD. I served on the board here for 17 years, and prior to that was very involved with uh, PTA uh, and just um, all things Marshall ISD, and um, I've enjoyed every minute of it and am still involved in a lot of ways. I'm just back from awarding some grants from our Education Foundation, too, so... Awesome. Uh, I enjoy awesome. being involved with with our school district. Thank you. Ted? Uh, yes. Well, thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to speak and talk to you today. Um, I'm Ted Beard. I currently serve on the Longview School Board. Uh, this year will be 25 years. Wow. Um, and also, I'm the immediate past president of the Texas Association of School Boards. Um I started basically just as uh, Helen stated, uh, being involved with PTA with uh, our children that were in the public school system. And from there, it just branched out and uh, understanding how important public education is, not only to uh, the students that we serve, but for us as a society to ensure their success for our society to thrive. So once again, um, thank you for having us. Well, Ted, you uh, got elected, I think, two years after I did, because I got elected in 96 to the Amarillo School Board and served 19 years there and uh, never lost my passion for public ed, but I decided to serve in a different role locally as being on the uh, community college board at Amarillo College. And so it's fun, it's different, but we still work very closely with our K-12 schools in the region, as I know you work with your higher ed institutions. Thank you for all your years of service, both of you, because I know how much time it takes. I know the passion that you both have. And Ted, you know, being head of the TASB board (laughs) is over and above. (laughs) Thank you. But it's a great organization. And to that point, uh, the reason you guys are on here today is because you recently wrote an op-ed piece that kind of made the rounds on social media, uh, standing up for public ed in Texas. And um, it was, I believe, partly in response to an op-ed that was uh, in your local paper uh, by, by an outsider who, I guess the question is, why are they involved in our local regional, rural, panhandle, East Texas, whatever, schools. And so uh, y'all wrote an excellent op-ed. I'd like you to read it for the listeners. I'll put a link to it as well as I'll probably put a link to the one that triggered it, although <laughs> I hate to validate <laughs> their stuff. But, but just so they understand, uh, the shade that people are throwing on great organizations like TASB and not to mention public schools in general. So thank you. So Here we go. Take it away. 
ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, uh, misinformed attacks on public education. As longtime East Texans, we had to shake our heads after reading a guest column in this newspaper by a contributor who lives more than 300 miles away in an upscale Austin suburb. You might have seen the February 10th opinion piece and wondered why an agent in Austin in an Austin-based organization is showing up in our local paper with a misinformed attack on public education and the Texas Association of School Boards. Well, we happen to know a little bit about both public education and TASB. Between the two of us, we have more than 40 years of experience in public education, either as a current Longview ISD school board trustee, Ted, or a retired Marshall ISD school board member, Helen. In addition, our commitment to ensuring every student has the opportunity for a great public education has included working with TASB in our district for governance training and to help save taxpayers money through their nonprofit services. Ted also serves on the TASB Board of Directors, currently as immediate past president. As longtime volunteer public servants dedicated to improving outcomes for all students, we take issue with anyone who hasn't done that work coming into East Texas or anywhere in our great state to tell us what's best for kids. When you do a little digging and connecting the dots, you realize that the motive for these out-of-towners is privatizing education to benefit and enrich just a few at the expense of our local kids. These privatization proponents are stepping up their attacks on public education, as recently explained in a heart-wrenching yet excellent article headlined, The Campaign to Sabotage Texas Public Schools in Texas Monthly. It's a long, detailed story, but the takeaway is that certain groups have been bankrolled for decades by billionaires whose ultimate aim is to destroy public education. Of course, they never say that. Instead, they push the fake message that vouchers, educational saving account, savings accounts, and tax credit scholarships would level the, playing, the education playing field for everyone. These saboteurs claim to care about parental rights, tax dollars, and public school transparency in the name of freedom and choice. But don't be fooled. In reality, they just want to shift the power to govern our schools, public schools away from us, parents, grandparents, elected school board members, and communities to faceless corporations and divisive politicians who are more interested in power and money than in doing the actual work of educating our kids. A major part of that effort, of course, is to silence our voices and demonize organizations like TASB with false accusations and outrage. The real outrage, however, is the amount of energy and money that's being spent in Austin on school privatization efforts instead of real problems, like the fact that our state ranks near the bottom of all states in per-pupil funding. Those of us elected to our local school boards about 7,000 across Texas regularly hear from parents, students, and community members at board, board meetings, in church, the grocery store, via email and phone, about a wide range of education topics and concerns, both personal and general. 
As the group of elected officials closest to our voters, school trustees are well equipped to listen, respond, and advocate on behalf of our students and communities. Even when our school board service ends, we're still on the front lines, gathering feedback and working on behalf of the families in our school districts, including writing lawmakers and speaking out on behalf of public education. What are some of the real issues that need lawmakers' attention? Teacher pay, recruitment and retention, school safety, and student achievement are just a few that actually impact us here in East Texas. Imagine what might be accomplished if all the millions spent by political operatives to lobby against public education could actually be used to advocate for solutions that benefit students. We're not that naive and neither are you. When you see well-heeled Austinites coming into our community with the goal to silence, distract, and divide, let's remember what's at stake. The fight over public education is a fight over the future of our state. Quite simply, the success of Texas depends on the success of our public school students. What we do for our students today impacts their lives and the success of this great state for generations to come. For generations to come. I love I love that. And imagine what might be accomplished. I'm just echoing some of your own words back at you. Let's just have a conversation now about what's really going on. I guess you've I know y'all pay attention to to current events and the legislature and I'm sure you've seen the governor's jaunt around the state including up here in Amarillo at private religious schools to promote vouchers. What do y'all think about that? Go ahead, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a circus. I think he's putting on a show, um, and it's not necessary for a Texas audience, Um, but I think it's kind of a dog and pony show and uh, trying to get headlines and make make the news. But it doesn't have much to do with our students in in our public school classrooms. And I would agree with Helen, the majority of the school districts in the state of Texas are rural type school districts, uh, smaller type school districts that make up uh, the bulk of public education in the state of Texas. Um, To your question or observation in that, I think if you follow the money and then follow that narrative, and this narrative is not new about trying to uh, underfund or dismantle public education. That has been an ongoing effort for many, many years here in the state of Texas. It's just ramped up and a lot vocal now, a lot more vocal as in the past. But I think if you follow the money, uh, and then you will start to see not just the governor, but other elected representatives in the state of Texas that are singing that same song, uh, and, and I'll say it, I call it like it is, it, it, you can tell that they have been bought and paid for, and it does not have all of the students in the state of Texas' best interest at heart. I believe, I believe that the thing he was at the dog and pony show he was at last night, the the principal of that school or superintendent of that school even said, our school is not to serve every child. Wow. 
And our job at public ed in K-12 is to serve every child. All students. That's correct. All students. However they come to us, uh, we serve we them, them. And, and try to teach them and motivate them and make them successful human beings. And Ted, to your point, uh, the narrative is not just unique to Texas. This is a national push. That is correct. That is a national narrative that has just snowballed uh, within the last two years uh, and just gotten louder. Yeah. There doesn't appear to be a successful example anywhere of this model either that we seem to be chasing. No, but as you have seen, I'm sure the proponents say and make up information to make it sound like vouchers provide great schooling for the students. But if you follow folks like Josh Cowan at um, Michigan State University, I believe, who's an expert on this, and he does national coverage or research on vouchers across the nation, and there's very few instances, and they're very unique and self-selecting instances where vouchers actually do help the students. I still think that it is, um, it's a continual fight of those that have against those that have not. Uh, And that's what it boils down to for those that have to try to get more. And I think, as you mentioned, with vouchers, or as you'll hear now, uh, educational savings accounts, it's the same, it's the same pig. They're just trying to put lipstick on it. Um, It's still a voucher. And to understand when vouchers first reared its, I would say its ugly head, if you do a little history, you can go all the way back, Brown versus Board of Education. And when public schools started to be integrated in the state of Texas, that's when vouchers first started to spring up here in Texas. So once again, it's a a divisive uh, concept that came up initially to, once again, to take public dollars away from those that are in the greatest need. Right. And so they're exactly right. It's, it's, it's resegregation, um, Bingo. you know, just in, with dressed up in, you know, fancy clothes or lipstick on the pig. <laughs> Let's talk about what that gentleman wrote about. Is I can't remember the exact words, but that terrible, manipulative organization of TASB, Texas Association of School Boards. You you led the board on that. You've been on the board. You're currently on the board. What kind of work do you does TASB really do? I mean, Helen and I both know, but why don't you tell us? TASB, which is a nonprofit um, organization serve school districts in many, many different facets. Uh, There are several uh, entity boards that provide services to school districts, everything from policy service to legal service. Uh, And then you have what's called the risk management board that provides the risk management fund that provides coverages such as um, auto liability, uh, workman's comp, unemployment, Things or when a uh, respective district may be uh, sued or in some some sort of legal issue, 
the risk TASB's risk management fund provides those coverages to those members when that occurs. Um, they provide multitude of training, governance training as to focusing on, I call it the win factor, what's important now. And for us, it's school districts providing that quality, equitable education to all of the students that we serve. Ironically, you should ask me that. So just the other day, I can't recall the name, but there is a bill that has been filed already. Um, basically, it was aimed, it's aimed towards TASB, that school districts or public entities shouldn't be uh, associated or aligned with uh, an organization such as TASB that provides those services. Um, I don't think it's going to get much traction. It is, uh, we've had that before, but the, uh, I guess you, I want to say naiveness at one point, at some point, but it's really still uh, another arrow that is being slung to still try to dismantle public education and divert funds elsewhere. So you have Tasby. Each district has to have all those things independently. So by combining the, the services into one entity, we're able to save money. They save money. You know, it's just bulk. Uh, you know, if, if Marshall ISD had to have a, you know, the policy person and the you know, risk management person and all those services and training and all that we services we get from TASB, um, you know, we're, we're out more money. So the taxpayers are out more money. The legislative arm of TASB is directly driven by our local school boards because we ha have the opportunity to attend the grassroots meetings. They're close to home. Uh, we, we, you know, in, in a room of our, of our peer school board members from our neighboring school districts, our own school district, we create that agenda. We create those uh, policy um, you know, the, the, uh, what the, you know, what we want TASB to go back to Austin and address. So that's coming from your school board members, your, your people that you sit in church with, that you go to the grocery store with, that you see wherever you're out and about in your community, those people are creating that agenda, that legislative agenda. And, um, for them to say that it's TASB creating it is completely false. Uh, that is direct, and then those people could go to Austin, and, and it's a big group, and they create that agenda together. So it's yes. very much, and they call those grassroots meetings, and they're well well named because that's where that comes from. And Ted, one thing you didn't mention, but I I think is so important is the training that TASB provides both both if you know either to your own district or to the regional uh, you know service centers for school board members or at their conference and you get to see and learn from so many different districts uh, and other educational leaders and uh, and their keynote speakers and such and it's very inspiring as well as very informative and you now by law, School board members are required to have so many hours, depending if they're a new board member or a long, longer sitting board member uh, of training, which community college board members aren't. We have like basically one training we have to do. <laughs> well, I'm all for the training. I'm all for the training. So, but, but, but TASB. Uh, also does policy work for community colleges, which I finally convinced us to do. And so, 
we've now we're online. We got our policy out there. It's searchable, and we didn't have that before. And it's such a good resource for 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 everybody who wants to go look at our policy. So, so so kudos to TASB for for doing that as well. And of course, yes, the legislature sir. requires those trainings uh, of us, of school board members, and uh, the list keeps growing. Um, and and I'm like you, I, I, I'm uh, always in our board, always had the most hours um, of any of the probably of the others added up together, but um, <laughs> always partook of more than I was required. Um, Certainly. But, but uh, and, and they do provide those and do an excellent job of that, too. I, 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 I then would. I have a question then. And <laughs> so if we as school board members are required to have this continuing educational credit, why then do not the legislators have some educational, uh, con continuing educational credit so that they can be enlightened in their aspect or do they? And why aren't they held accountable to the Texas Open Meeting Act, too? Correct. And 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 um, I, it's just a soapbox that I was on. I'm sorry. It's okay. I think some of us have been on that same soapbox more than once. <laughs> Tell me about your districts. How's, how is Marshall ISD? How big is it? Uh, we have a little over 5,000 kids, uh, students, uh, K-12, obviously. Um, we uh, have a, a I may not be exactly current on my facts, 80-some-odd percent low socioeconomic uh, students, um, a, roughly a third Hispanic, a third African-American, a third, third Caucasian. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of struggles related to our um, socioeconomic status of our students, but we, we do uh, a lot of um, outreach and, and um, to help, you know, do everything we think, everything we can to reach our students uh, where they are. And uh, that's so important. Well, Longview, we have about 8,200 students. We provide a multitude of, of, of instruction, uh, varying instruction, everything from pre-AP to international baccalaureate, um, uh, a multitude of Kate uh, career and technology courses to include also we have our own meat processing lab. Um, we have Montessori uh, at pre-K and K, which if you go out on in the private sector, uh, it would cost uh, a pretty penny to go ahead and send your child to Montessori. But uh, several years ago, uh, we started that at our elementary campuses, and then we combined that Montessori effort into one campus. And so we have a, a Montessori campus for pre-K and K, so that's where they all go to. Um, what else? Uh, just trying to provide as many opportunities for all of our students by also removing as many barriers as possible. And I think that's a key. A lot of times, uh, and if you think about it, uh, if you ask the question, what's the problem with education? It's usually the adults. It's not the <laughs> students. Marshall and Longview are neighbors. Neighbors, uh, yes. 
Longview's the the big dog in the in the neighborhood <laughs> that we look to a lot for ideas and uh you know we're we're we we're we're out we're going out for a bond uh primarily to help grow our CTE program uh and we visited Longview and were able to see their facilities and um kind of what they're doing over there and um you know, why reinvent the wheel <laughs> if it's working somewhere? We and again, another benefit of TASB is that you do have that opportunity to make those connections. Uh, Ted and I may be relative close, almost neighbors, uh, but I didn't know him until TASB brought us together. So you have that opportunity to network uh, and know, get to know other board members across the state, and you know what's working in in one district may be something that we can bring back to our district for our students. Um, as well. Well, and our 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 district recently opened uh, a separate campus. It's not a it's a high school, but it's it's not a home campus for anybody uh, called Amtech, and uh, it's it's our career in tech and and specialty campus, and it's it's really pretty amazing. So you might check it out too. But I know I know our district went and looked at others and I, certainly as a board member when I was on the school board we would go look at other specialty campuses when we were looking at you know try, trying to do something. So good luck on your bond. Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> Happen yes. to be co-chairing that. <laughs> good for you. So ne- you're never you're never done, are you? <laughs> as long as you p- keep answering that phone. Well, any last comments you'd like to say uh, to our listeners about, you know, just keep your eyes open and really, you know, go out there and support our public schools and vote accordingly. You know, when you see the headlines or the uh, sensational news story to ask questions and um, be critical thinkers, uh, you know, when it sounds too good to be true, it, it usually is. And so we just need to, you know, some of those skills that we want our school children to learn and practice uh, you know, critical thinking and um, thinking things through. We need to practice as adults uh, and not just be um, snared by a headline. Um, but and to you know, ask those same questions of our elected officials uh, in Austin. You know, what, um, have you been in one of our classrooms recently? Come visit, and uh, the proof's in the pudding there. So. And I concur with those same sentiments as what Helen just said. Uh, What do you want to invest in? And so uh, public education is an investment into our future as a society. I feel that it is imperative, number one, to be informed. And with that information that you have and making sure that you get it from various areas, that was something that my father was big on. Um, he was big on reading and to get it from various sources so that you can make an informed decision or thought. And so I think uh, if you look at what's at stake with public education, understand that this is an investment in our future as a society. And uh, it's critical that we stand up and uh, make the choices that are in the best interest of all of the students that we serve and understand that those decisions can be lasting and impactful for years to come. I want our students to be successful where they grow up, 
have wonderful uh, careers, pay taxes so that they can take care of me in my older age. <laughs> so great. Um, well, it's it's always fun to visit with fellow public ed, ed advocates. We could we could just go on all day on that. But I appreciate y'all being on my podcast. I uh, appreciate your op-ed. And I appreciate the folks who are listening to the podcast. So thank you for listening to Annette on Education.